My name is Jacob, and I'm the preaching minister here, so you can expect preaching from me uh, very soon. (laughs) And we're going to continue on in a series that we started a few weeks ago called Words of Life, the Commands of Jesus. We want to take this seriously, the Great Commission, going to the world, making disciples, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. Everything. Well, we should know the everything that they were teaching that we need to know as disciples and what we are sharing with others. And so... Kind of bit by bit, theme by theme, we're going through the commands of Jesus. And the one we'll hear this morning is awesome and hopefully life-giving to you. And it'll help us reflect on our own walk with following Jesus. Uh, But before we go there, let me open us up with a prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you that these words that we can sing in worship about you are true. We thank you that we can know you through your word, through your spirit. And we ask that you will make us open to what you want us to know today. Open our hearts, well as open our ears, and let us be ready to receive that which you are calling us to do as your followers. Give us the heart of Jesus more and more each step as we journey in faith. And I I just pray that we will not just hear what you have to say, today and put it aside, but we will hear it and put it into action in our lives, and that we'll be blessed because of it. We love you, and we we thank you of the love that we know that you have for us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know if you know about this new phenomenon uh, about unboxing unclaimed Amazon items. And if you don't, I will tell you. Uh, if, if you're on TikTok, you've probably already seen this. It was really popular this summer. Uh, if you don't know what TikTok is, that's okay. Uh, it's, uh, here's what's been happening lately. People are going to distribution centers like Amazon or post offices, airports, wherever there is unclaimed mail. I'm talking about packages specifically. People uh, aren't picking up their mail. A lot of times that just gets auctioned off. People will say, we don't know what's in these packages, but you can buy them and find out. There's even services you can find online where you can say, I'm going to pay 40 bucks for a package, and it's kind of a mystery. It might be something that's more valuable than $40. It might be less. It's just, it's sort of a gamble. But this is something that people are doing, and they're filming the unboxing of these items, these, these packages online. And I was really curious about this because I was like, man, that's kind of exciting. And just people who make videos of them opening up what could be this uncovered treasure might just, uh, it might turn out to be nothing. But people are tuning in and they're liking these videos like crazy. It's just something that people are in tune with and they're, they're wanting to see more of. I actually tried to get my hands on one of these packages so that I could unbox it for us this morning. Uh, but the more I looked around, the more I'm starting to think it might be illegal. Like you're not supposed to do it. Nevertheless, there's still plenty of videos online showing people doing this, these these packages that get delivered and people opening them with anticipation. And sometimes what they find out gives them great joy. And I was thinking about the command of Jesus that we're going to look at this morning, the command that Jesus gives his disciples that says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus had talked about the Holy Spirit. He prepared his followers to receive the Holy Spirit and to understand about how God's Spirit works and is coming close to them. We'll look at some of those verses in a minute, but let's just take a look at a couple of these passages where where Jesus, after his death and after his resurrection, tells his followers 
I want you to prepare to receive the Holy Spirit. Because God's going to do something surprising, amazing, and for your benefit. So let's take a look right now. We'll throw the John chapter 20 verse up on the screen here. Jesus, uh, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Remember, again, this is the resurrected Jesus coming in to, to meet up with his disciples. And he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed them his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That's the first snapshot I want you to see. And especially pay attention to the part about he breathed on them. What, what, what's going on there? We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's jump ahead to uh, an occasion we see in Acts chapter 1. This is Acts 1, and I'll read verses 3 through 5 here. Um, maybe I didn't print out verse 3. I want to make sure we get that. Go to the source, y'all. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He, Jesus, appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling them, receive the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Like I said, he had been preparing them for this. He had been reminding them of the Holy Spirit that was to come and what the Holy Spirit's role is going to be. So we'll do kind of a quick refresher. We, we might know some of these things already, but if you're going, oh, okay, we want to receive. I understand what receive means. The Holy Spirit, what is that? And how do I receive that? Let's hear what Jesus has to say. Um, I don't have these ones up on the screen, but we'll just do a quick flyby of some of the words from Jesus uh, the night that he was arrested. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That's a word that he uses to describe God's Holy Spirit. An advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of a clue of the, this Spirit, what it is, what it does, and where we can find it. The next chapter, John 15, Jesus says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Okay, one of the Spirit's roles is to confirm and remind of the words of Jesus. This is good. I, I like this part because a lot of times people will talk about the Holy Spirit told me to do this and the Holy Spirit said this or, you know, guided me to do this. It can get a little bit uh, freewheeling so to speak, and people just kind of justifying anything they do by saying, oh, I think this was what the Spirit of God wants me to do. 
But no, the Spirit is not going to be making up things. The Spirit is not going to be doing anything that is inconsistent with the heart of God or the teachings of Jesus. And so that's, that's comforting for me. John chapter 16, he tells us more. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus is preparing his followers for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And at this point, they still don't know what that looks like. But he's not telling them something that maybe they hadn't heard before. In their Jewish upbringing, knowing the scriptures, having heard the stories about God's history among his people, they would have encountered some stories about how the Spirit works. And we're just going to do kind of a quick review to this morning. And I did this a little bit differently than I normally do. I have some notes here, but I passed out some cards before we started. And I kind of forget who I gave the cards to, but they're numbered one through six. So I just kind of want to go through these, and these will be sort of outline points. So if you have card number one, will you hold it up? And uh, just, yeah, Will's got it. In a real loud voice, just read what card number one says. Okay. It says, Yeah. Card number one is Genesis. So from the very beginning of Scripture, we can see the Spirit of God's movement and activity. In Genesis uh, chapter one, we get the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters in the, the void and the nothingness. Even before the let there be light, before creation, there was the Spirit of God. And there's this kind of mystery to this. And then in Genesis chapter two, and God creates man, he forms him out of the dust, and then he breathes life into his nostrils. Okay, that breath of life. Remember, Jesus told his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. He, he breathed on them. Maybe these two things are connected. I think that they are. And then in Genesis chapter 3, this is where we get the, the fall, Adam and Eve sinning in the garden and this separation from God. Well, after they eat the forbidden fruit, God comes looking for them. And the way it's described is that God uh, moves in the, well, the, the cool of the evening. Some translations say in the, the breeziness or the, the breeze of the evening. And I think that that's an intentional reference, too, to this the Spirit of God. The same one that was hovering over the waters before creation. The Spirit that was breathed into the nostrils in, in, during creation. And now this Spirit that comes looking for the children when they're trying to hide from God. So that's the Holy Spirit's movement in Genesis in sort of like a quick review format. Who's got card number two? I hope there's a, a two out there. Okay, Midori, what does your card say? Okay, Bezalel. That's, I gave her a hard one. Everybody say Bezalel. Okay, Bezalel. You may not know the story of Bezalel. This is uh, during the uh, Exodus. You can read about Bezalel in Exodus chapter it's like 31 and 35. Bezalel was an artist. How many artists do we have out there? Do we have any people who like to paint, like to sculpt, uh, visual artists? I've seen some of your works. I know that we have creative people in this church. You guys will like Bezalel. Bezalel was identified as an artist, and God said, I want Bezalel to do some designing. I want him to work on the Ark of the Covenant. I want him to work on the Tent of Meeting. He's got this artistic ability to make things adorned and beautiful and to work with gold and, and jewels and woodworking. And so he's this craftsman. And this is the first time in the Bible that we get the Spirit of God resting on somebody. It says the Spirit of God filled this artisan named Bezalel and he was able to do the work that God commissioned him to do for the, the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert. So that's Bezalel. You may not have known that story, but that's his thing. 
Uh, who has card number three? Where's, what's our next stop? What, what, how is the Holy Spirit working? Ryan, what does it say? Gideon and Samson. Okay, so now we're into the, the period of the judges. Before there were any kings in Israel, they were these, these leaders that kind of acted like kings. They were judges, but they were also like military leaders. And uh, one of them was Gideon, and one of them was Samson. And in this context of battle, it's told in scriptures. I think this is Judges chapter 6, and then Samson's like 16 or 18 or something. It says that the Holy Spirit enrobed them. It's almost like they were clothed with God's Holy Spirit, and it was giving them success in the, the leadership that they were doing at the time. So, you got Bezalel had the Holy Spirit. Uh, Gideon was surrounded and, and animated by the Holy Spirit. And same thing with Samson, too. Okay, so we're kind of building a little bit of a, an understanding about what the Holy Spirit's up to. Number four. Who's got four card? All right, Doug. Uh, what does your card say? King David. King David. Okay, we probably know King David a little bit better than we know Bezalel, but this was the man after God's own heart. And, you know, he, it's kind of a long story. We have a lot of information in the Bible about David. But when Samuel identified David as he was going to be the true king of Israel, and when, when Samuel is anointing, he's pouring oil over the head of David, indicating God's favor and God's blessing being upon him, it says that uh, the Holy Spirit was there and was on him as well. So we know that David was not perfect. We know that David sought God's heart and he, he did a lot of good things, but then he also did a lot of bad things. And if we go to Psalm 51, we have David after he realized he had sinned, murder and taking someone else's wife and just, just treachery. His heart was so far from God. And we have this expression where he says, Lord, uh, don't cast me away from your presence. Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew that it was important to have the Spirit working in his life. That's, that's stop number four out of six. We got two more cards. Who's got card number five? Kelly, what does your card say? So, okay, Micah was uh, one of the, the prophets in 8th century BC or 6th century. I, I don't really remember. But Micah, when he prophesied, was said to have had been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Who are the other ones? Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. You might recognize these guys from the nativity story. We get this in Luke. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. It says they found out that they were going to have John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, and Jesus' forerunner, the one who had announced the coming of the Messiah, and it says that they were filled with the Spirit. And we have some of their, their expressions, their praises when they discovered this. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon her, and she becomes pregnant with the Savior. And Okay, so there, there's more of these. We're kind of working our way forward through the Hebrew Bible. We're kind of past the Old Testament, and now we're into New Testament. What does number six say? Jeff. Jeff's has a scripture reference. We should read this. This is Jesus. Um, we're going to hear the words of John the Baptist here in John chapter 1. What does it say, 32 and 33? Then John gave this testimony. This is John the Baptist. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Jesus. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with 
the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. So you might know about the baptism of Jesus. John saw that the Spirit was on Jesus. That identified him. And when he was baptized, he came up out of the water. Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And we hear the voice of the Father. This is a good Trinitarian moment where you have Holy Spirit, Son, Jesus coming up out of the water. And the voice of God the Father saying, I'm pleased with him. You should listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. So the Holy Spirit kind of, as, as we sort of saw from these different cards and different people just popping up and giving us references throughout the Bible of where we see the Holy Spirit, that's uh, kind of how the movement of the Holy Spirit was. You had like, oh, Bezalel, and then, then what? Okay, I don't know. Then Micah, okay, he's filled with the Spirit. And then Gideon has this Spirit moment for a while. It seems kind of sporadic. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit was not at work in other places, but these are just kind of glimpses that we get throughout the Old Testament. And then now in the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Okay, Holy Spirit's part of his ministry as well. But what Jesus starts to tell his disciples is there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit. It's not just going to be boop, 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 like kind of like pop-up surprise things here and there. There's going to be this outpouring and it's going to be this flood of the Spirit coming. And you might know this story. We read from Acts chapter 1 when Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem and you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. Let's read the part of where it tells what's, what Jesus was talking about here. I actually have the extended scripture because it's kind of a, a, a long story. It's a long passage that I'm going to read, but I want you to stick with me because it's important. So uh, we got the slide back there. You can start with Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, I'll say that part again, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, residents of Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've had too much wine. I guess they seemed a little silly at the time. Peter is going to explain. Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes the prophet. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, 
I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, and you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He says a few other things. We're going to skip ahead now to verse 36. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And I guess the way he said this and what he said was pretty convincing for them because their response was, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. So here we are. Jesus said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. Stay here because something is about to happen. This is the something that happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out onto people. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit. They were filled with God's Holy Spirit. It's not just Bezalel, the artisan, who's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to Fill this guy so he can do a task, and then I'm back over here. And then it's not just Gideon, the military leader, who has this job to do, and I need him to do this, so here, here's this. This is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I think that outpouring of the Spirit extends to us today. We are in the same position as these people who have heard the message about Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He was crucified, but he was raised from the dead. What are we supposed to do? Repent. We talked about repentance a few weeks ago. Repent and believe the good news. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's good to know. But what does it do? Why is that, why is that something that's important? Well, instead of just being commissioned to do this work of art and do something for, the, for God and as, as sort of like a contract worker, we have the Holy Spirit poured into us. And Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit is going to be with you and live in you. It's something you're going to take along with you. Not for a period of time, not just for a certain task, but it's something that is going to remain. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended down on him at his baptism, and it never went away. Scripture tells us that the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power that he had, fueled his ministry, that enabled his trust in God the Father, is the same spirit, and the same power is living within us. 
okay, wow, that's pretty awesome. What exactly are we supposed to do with this? One commentator that I read described Jesus in this way. Jesus was a spirit-drenched man. And I like that image. He's a spirit-drenched man. Think about a drenched person. Think about if you went swimming this summer. You jumped in the pool and you came out and you were just drenched with water. Think about when someone gets baptized. They go fully into the water. They're totally immersed. Come back up. Just water's pouring off of them. They come down from the baptistry and we sing songs and we pray with them and we used to hug them. <laughs> we do that much anymore. Uh, we surround people. But what happens? They're soaking wet. And what do you usually do? Maybe you say, like, I'm going to wait for them to dry off a little bit. Maybe get a towel around them, and then I'm coming in for a hug. Because if you hug somebody who is drenched, you're going to get wet yourself. If they come out of the pool, out of the baptistry, and they're drenched, they're going to be dripping onto the floor. There's going to be footprints. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be slippery. It's going to be... You can, you can imagine this, and you can picture this. That's how he describes Jesus. Jesus was spirit-drenched. The trust that Jesus had in the Father was uh, because of the Holy Spirit, because he was so in tune with God's Spirit, leading him and guiding him. And I think that that's a great image for us as his followers, is to be spirit-drenched ourselves. Um, but that's not always the case. I think sometimes we are... Uh, spirit familiar, or we are spirit capable, but I don't know about spirit drenched. I, um, well, think about this. Greg, Greg Brown, come on up here. I want you to help me with something. Come on up here. You, don't, you didn't know you were going to do this, but uh, this is a, a official squirt gun, Church of Christ squirt gun. Um, I just want you to stand right there and go ahead and actually stand over here. That's the side that my microphone is not on. That's the only reason over here. I just want you to go ahead and squirt me a little bit. Just go ahead and, yeah, go for it. There we go. All right. I'm getting a little wet here. I'm wetter than I was. It's not super comfortable. Um, you can get my beard, you know. That's kind of good. All right. That's not bad. Okay. Are you almost out? Have you done all the water that's in there? Now keep going. This is, this is good. I'm a little bit wet. Getting my notes wet, but that's okay. Okay, he's all out. Uh, everybody clap for Greg. Anytime, right? Yeah, anytime. So he completely emptied that squirt gun that was full of water onto me. I'm not drenched. I am not drenched. I'm a little wet. I got, you know... A little wetter than I was. I maybe can shape my beard a little bit better. But, you know, the microphone's not ruined. And if, uh, if somebody wanted to come and get a hug from me, you'd probably, you know, go on this side, and it would be okay. Um, but I'm not spirit-drenched. And as I think about that, when it comes to uh, wanting to be like Jesus, I think that's, that's something I want to strive more for, is, is being spirit-drenched. And part of that is, you might be hearing this and thinking, I've been baptized. I've said yes to Jesus. The Spirit has been poured out. It's not, uh, it's not up to me to, to you know, get, get Spirit wet every day of my life. And I think that that's true. I'm not, it's hard to t- 
teach about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit still kind of does whatever he wants to. The Holy Spirit is all over the place. And I think our job most of the time is just to keep up and just to try to be in tune with what God is, God's Spirit is doing. In our Sunday morning class on loving your neighbor, I've been talking more about just asking that question. God, what are you up to in my life today? And we, we don't even need to get the answer. When we start to like nail down the answer, that's when we can become a little bit more controlling. God is doing this. God is not doing this. Well, we have to be open to the Spirit and be attentive. But I think just asking that question more often is helpful in becoming more Spirit-drenched. It's less, less becoming more Jacob-drenched and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. It's all mapped out. But instead just saying, God, where do you want me to be today? In this relationship with this person, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to not say? What, what are you up to? Asking that question, I think, makes us more open to the Spirit. And to go back and think about these Amazon packages that I mentioned earlier, um, it's exciting when this gift that was somebody else's comes into your possession. You watch these videos, they open up the package and go, wow, like a $50 gift card. That's amazing. You open up something and you go, man, it's a ski jacket. <laughs> Such a cool surprise. But remember, the reason that those packages came into someone else's possession is because they were unclaimed by someone else. And if we hear Jesus saying, I want you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm sending it in Jerusalem. I'm giving it to you when you become a believer. This is something I want you to open your door to, open your life to, and be filled with, become drenched with the Spirit of God. I think sometimes those packages just stay on our doorstep and they get unclaimed. We might know it's there, uh, but we may not have opened it and received it with joy and said, ah, this is something I need. This is useful. I'm so glad it's finally here. And I don't want our faith to be like that. I don't want our experience with the Holy Spirit to be like that. And the challenge with this message is the Holy Spirit is such a big topic. We could have, we could like a quick history lesson, quick views and just glimpses of what Jesus said about this but I want to encourage us as we hear this message today, as we hear this command of Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit, to just make an effort to be more open to God's Spirit. We talked, like I said, about repentance a few weeks ago. And we said repentance is, yes, it's a one-time thing, but it's not just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. We constantly need to be recalibrating ourselves and evaluating our lives to see if we're on track with what God wants from us and for us. And if we're not, we can, you know, we can repent again. We can make these course corrections. And I think being open to the Holy Spirit is like that as well. My guess is that when you became a follower of Jesus and you heard that part of your baptism is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, that was great. You probably opened that Amazon package right up and said, cool, this is, this is I need this. This is going to equip me for works of service, for, for shining the light of Christ into the world. But just like anybody who comes out of a pool or comes out of a baptistry, as time goes by, you start to dry off. Just kind of, it just naturally happens. And part of re-immersing ourselves into the Spirit of God is just asking that question. Lord, what's your Spirit doing? How can I serve you today? So I wanted to mention that this morning as we hear this command to receive the Holy Spirit and to continue receiving the Holy Spirit. And I want to, before we get the praise team back up here, to lead us in, in one more song uh, about receiving the Holy Spirit and how God works in our lives, I want to invite you to uh, pray a prayer of openness to God's Holy Spirit in your life. 
Um, you can go ahead and put this prayer up on the screen. I think this is the last slide that we have up here. And you guys, if you have a phone, if you're interested, you're welcome to take it out and just grab a, a snapshot of this screen, this slide up here. Did I? Oh, me, never mind. I didn't put it on there. <laughs> That's my fault. But if you're in your newsletters, I believe the same prayer is uh, it's printed there. So this is a prayer of openness to God's Holy Spirit. And as a terrible example of uh, being open to the Holy Spirit, I don't have a copy of this prayer up here. Somebody hand me your newsletter. I'm going to be open to uh, doing things I hadn't planned on doing. Thanks, Rod. Sorry about that. Okay, this is the prayer of openness to God's Spirit. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come to me, dwell in me, speak to me so I may become more like Christ. Lord, give me the courage to be open. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a simple prayer. I want you to take this prayer into your week and uh, pray it. Maybe pray it once a day. Pray at the beginning of your day and at the end of your day. It's just putting your, your mind to how God's Spirit is working among us. Uh, I want to invite the praise team to come back up here now and lead us in this last song. If you haven't ever said yes to Jesus and following him, I'm talking about, I've been talking about baptism up here. If you haven't done that, if you want to know more about that, then please come and talk to me. If you want to be immersed in uh, the, the forgiving, healing waters of baptism, like Jesus invited his followers to do, that's something that we, we do here and we take very seriously. If you have been following Jesus and you feel like you haven't been as spirit-drenched as you would like to be, I am always here to listen, to pray with you, to encourage you, and uh, to hopefully get us all on a place where we're more open to God's Spirit and in tune with the commands of Jesus. I want to invite you now to stand with me and uh, with the praise team as we sing this last song.